Hello, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. This is Danny. Join me as we go deep into God's Word, as we discover the hidden gems and hidden treasures that God has made available to us all if we would have but ears to hear and eyes to see. As you come with me on this journey, let's explore God's Word and see what He desires to show and tell us in our day. This may be your first time or the next time, but I welcome you here. Let's dig in and see what the Lord has for us today. Well, hello everyone. Thanks for tuning in. This is episode number four. and Excited to be moving along. Today, I want to discuss something that it was some time ago I was reading a book, little book. It's actually a series of little books by a man named Bill Bright. And in this particular book, he was discussing the salvation and witnessing by the Spirit. But in this particular section, he addressed how we should never make the error of assuming a person's salvation, their involvement in church, their position, maybe even their seemingly godly behavior, does not guarantee their salvation. Now, in his ministry, he has experienced many situations where a person everyone thought was saved comes to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Now, to clarify, I don't believe he is saying that we should walk around and make people prove to us that their salvation is genuine. However, this does mean that in every encounter and every conversation is an opportunity to witness. Now, we should avoid particular um, mindsets, we some things we should not avoid. We should not avoid certain specific talking points because we think that they perhaps are already saved. Now, I believe as I began this question, this, this discovery, I believe that the Lord had been bringing to, to mind a particular question. And it was this, can a person be saved yet question their salvation. Now, it is in itself a question that many have experienced. Now, I actually pose this question to many people I know, and I've gotten a huge varying of responses, some of which were quite alarming. Now, the question itself is vital to answer and not to be taken for granted because the condition of our soul rests in the balance. I will also add that um, many people will disagree with this perspective that I want to present, and that is okay. Uh, I don't pretend to believe that um, everything I say will be exquisitely received and unconditionally welcomed. So uh, I value uh, your perspective, and I hope you do the same with mine. I do believe that this is something that 
uh, I believe the Lord to be walking with me through, and I don't presume to have it all figured out. Um, however, I do believe it to be a in, uh, a much needed topic of discussion and perhaps some light shed on this issue. So it's vital to answer this. It's vital not to take it for granted because our souls hang in the balance. So to repeat the question, can you question or doubt your salvation? So this is essentially to lack assurance. Can you question or doubt your salvation, but truly be saved? Now, first, we know that the devil is constantly through our flesh, wanting us to agree with lies regarding all manner of falsehoods against us. Now, the Bible tells us in 1 Peter 5, 8, he says, it says to be alert. Peter is, is saying these words, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Now, this verse is clear. The devil is looking for those opportunities to penetrate our defenses and to take us down any chance that he can. Now, my question is not suggesting that those attacks against us will not come. The devil will try, but do they work? Do you continually struggle with this question, or have you put it to rest? Now, my question is targeting those who wrestle with this problem continually. This question is also not meant to unconvince people of their salvation. However, I would add if that you can be unconvinced, then you should have reason to question the trueness of your experience. So, let me introduce uh, the key scripture upon which we will build. It's Ephesians 2 verse 8, and it says, For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. Now, this is a scripture that many of us are familiar with, but God highlighted something to me in it, making me very keenly aware of a piece, a section of it, and it is the section through faith. You are saved, you by grace, you have been saved through faith. You are saved by grace through faith. Now, the book of Hebrews tells us the significance of, quote, by faith. Now, to a Bible reading person, we can see the necessity of faith in the Christian life. We ask the question, what is faith? And the writer of Hebrews defines this very clearly for us in Hebrews 11, verse 1. And the writer says, now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. So now that we can clearly define what faith is by Scripture, let us reword that verse and see what it shows us. So we have defined what faith is. Now as we reword it, you are saved by grace through, insert, confidence and assurance in your hope, despite not being able to see it physically. The author of Hebrews gives us the key to salvation by grace through faith. 
Now, I ask this question, what is contrary to or opposite of or even anti-faith? What is contrary to faith? Unbelief. In James 1, 6 through 8, he writes, But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. Now, some hearing this may say that I'm misapplying or taking out of context what James is referring to. Verse 5 indeed tells us that if you lack wisdom, ask God for it, but you must not doubt. So contextually, that is what James is directly saying here, but there is another embedded truth inside of this. James is showing how we are to approach asking God. I believe this verse applies to any request we ask of God. You must believe and not doubt. A quick look at the original Greek will also share some insight with us. Quote, by grace. That is called the dative case. And the dative case tells us the means by which something is done. So you are saved by means of God's grace. Quote, through faith is the genitive case. And the genitive case generally indicates possession. Romans 4 verse 16 sheds some light here in this. It says, for this reason, it depends on faith in order that the promise may rest on grace and be guaranteed to all his descendants, not only to the adherents of the law, but also to those who share the faith of Abraham. Now, God's promise rests on God's grace, which depends on faith. And a picture of this possession Let me give an illustration to explain this idea. So let us imagine you are driving from point A to point B in your car. Now point B is the destination. Let us call that salvation. Remember, salvation is a doorway to much more than an end goal, more than a destination. Salvation is a great place to start, not end. However, for the point of this illustration, we're going to keep it simple, and you want to end up at point B, which is salvation. Now, you're driving in your car from point A to point B. To get from point A to point B, you must pass through a tunnel to get there. God's grace is your car, and faith is the tunnel. It is the grace of God that carries you to the promise, but it is through the tunnel of faith that you must travel through to arrive at the destination. This destination is accessed by faith. Now, if you analyze the Greek words for trust, faith, and belief, you will find that trust is the root word 
of faith. And faith is the root word of belief. So trust leads to faith, which leads to belief. Now, I submit that one builds and leads to the other. You don't trust a stranger, and without trust, how can you have faith? And without faith, how can you believe? Now, you may be seeing all this and thinking, so are you suggesting that my salvation is dependent on what I'm sure of? Remember, I'm not saying that you will never hear the question, are you even saved? I'm saying that how you respond and how often you stay in that place should indicate your faith. Now, pay close attention to the voice that you hear. For example, you are not saved. You is accusatory. Do you see the difference between that statement and I am not saved? Notice the differing person voice, you, I. You is accusatory. Be cautious. The enemy does not always follow the same line of attack, but this is a good awareness to have. Is he accusing me or am I making a statement myself? In what voice are you speaking? It would benefit you to pay close attention to the tactics of the enemy. Now, this should be generating a question in you. Why would I doubt my salvation? Not universally, but many times it is the result of how I live. Now, prepare yourself here for a very hard biblical truth that John gives, and he says in 1 John 2, 4 through 6, Whoever says, I have come to know him, but does not obey his commandments, is a liar. And in such a person, the truth does not exist. But whoever obeys his word, truly in this person, the love of God has reached perfection. By this, we may be sure that we are in him. Whoever says, I abide in him, ought to walk just as he walked. So does your obedience to Christ indicate that you know him? If you say you know him and you do not obey him, you are a liar. Let me show you one other place where I think this verse is linked. Jesus says in Matthew 7, 22, On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then will I declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. So what thread is present between these two scriptures? It is knowing Jesus. Now hear this. Your life is evidence of knowing him. Does your obedience to Jesus exemplify that you know him? He's he's not asking you to be perfect. He's asking you to follow him. Huge difference. We know if anyone says he is perfect and without sin, he too is a liar. So we 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 are we have a 
an awareness of our insufficiency. He's not asking us to be perfect. He's asking us to follow him. Be obedient to him. Do you sin? Of course. That is why he had to die so that he could do what you and I could not do. Like Paul writes in Romans 6, should we continue then in sin so that grace may abound? Of course not. When he points out your sin, do you obey and repent? Do you turn from it? Do you in anguish and pain and heartbrokenness say, Father, I do not want to live in this place less than what I'm called to be. Do you obey? Do you repent? Do you turn from it and ask him to forgive you? Knowing him, John says, is obeying him. Jesus says in John 10, 27, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. Many will call him Lord, but he will say to some, I never knew you. This reality, I am afraid, is where many are right now. Jesus says in John 6, 44, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. I fear that many have checked boxes and went through the motions without ever having a life-altering encounter with Jesus. Are we coming without being drawn? Are we responding for self-serving purposes? Is our life evidence of knowing Jesus? Do we maintain assurance and do not doubt in our promise of eternal life through faith? Many markers exist in being one of Jesus' sheep. Assurance through faith, listening to his voice, obedience to his commandments. These all demonstrate the fruit of our salvation. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 13, 5, Examine yourselves to see whether you are living in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not realize that Jesus Christ is in you? Unless, indeed, you fail to meet the test. You are saved by grace through faith, not doubt. Now, as you find your way through this word and this word finds its way through you, you are faced with a decision. Does the reality of what this word reveal apply to you? Do you find yourself fully convinced, fully assured, obedient to his commands, listening to the voice of Jesus? If you lack assurance and doubt your salvation, do not go another moment without telling Jesus that you want to be counted as one of his children. Ask him to reveal to your heart and mind the assurance that he makes available to those who know him. Repent if you have ignored his voice, if you've turned away or taken for granted his grace that he makes available to those who follow him. Jesus says, And this is eternal life, that they may know you, 
the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. John 17, 3. So I pray that this finds you, that it opens up a, a walk of uh, a journey of understanding, of pursuit, of answering some of those tough questions that, that we all face, that we all must go through. But I pray that you would contend to press in, to hear his voice, to know his heart, to obey as he directs and leads and guides you. And as you press in to know him more, that it is in knowing him that eternal life is obtained. And so I thank you and I bless you. Until next time. Thanks for joining me. I hope this blessed your heart and you leave with something special. Let us press in to know Him more. Let us press in to know Him more. And He will find us in seeking and seek us in finding. God bless you.